DocuPod, the stories behind documentaries. You want the first person to step on Mars to be a woman. Of course, the first person to step on Mars should be a woman. There's no way we're going to be able to colonize a planet without women. (laughs) Mars needs women. Mars needs It's a gag. It's a prank. All the scientific research done shows that the more diverse your team is, the better it performs. Welcome back to DocuPod. I am Tiffany, and I am joined by Jan Millsaps. I got to give her her proper introduction because I love this bio. Pioneering digital filmmaker, early web innovator, versatile and accomplished writer, veteran educator, certified cosmologist, and unapologetic feminist, Jan Millsaps. How are you doing today? Well, after that introduction, I guess I'm great. <laughs> I love it because it, it really sums you up and it, it's such a beautiful, beautiful biography. So thank you so much for joining me. Sure. Now we have to talk about Madame Mars, Women and the Quest for Worlds Beyond. This film I know is very close to your heart. As I was doing research, I was learning that you are a certified cosmologist. On top of that, you wrote your first novel, Screwed Pooch, about the Soviet space dog and then you were selected for Mars One, and then you wrote your second novel, Venus on Mars. And you also talk about how when you were in elementary school, that's when Sputnik launched, and by the time you graduated high school, the astronauts had landed on the moon. At what point did this film start for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, if we say the film comes out of my long, long interest in space and space exploration, then I guess it started you know, almost as soon as I was aware that, you know, there were worlds beyond Earth. But specifically, the film started in and around the time I wrote the novel Venus on Mars, which is also about women and space and specifically Mars. And in the novel, I talk about several generations of women who worked and lived at the periphery of the space arena, like they weren't the main astronauts or the main rocket scientists. They were their assistants or people who hung around with them. But yet their stories had never been told. So in the novel, uh, one of the characters is actually a real character, Rexy Louise Leonard. She was the assistant to the astronomer Percival Lowell. Another one of the characters, uh, Venus Dawson, is totally fictional, but she worked at JPL back in the 60s and 70s when we were just starting to um, have the means to explore Mars remotely with flybys and eventually an orbiter. And she worked with the people that sent the satellite. She actually was their darkroom assistant. So she had a whole story that is not only about the age of space exploration and the new discoveries and the new technologies that were making it all possible. She also had a story, you know, from her perspective as a female working in a male-dominated field. So I thought that was really important. The documentary Madame Mars kind of came out of that novel in that I take up the story of exploring Mars, you know, from where we left it in the novel. We get an orbiter to Mars. We start finding out amazing things about Mars. And so for the movie, I wanted to find additional stories about women and hear them tell their stories who had been involved in studying Mars and teaching us about Mars for decades. And the fact that we just haven't heard their stories yet, I think, is what makes it a feminist film. Definitely. And you talked to so many women from Mars One and from NASA. Who was the first person that you really sat down with and presented this idea to them? And what did that look like? Well, let's see. 
when you when you really start to make a film, you have to start thinking about how you're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So the first people I really talked to about it were some people who were going to help me raise the money, who were going to help me set up a production structure. So I would have some support in terms of shooting, editing, sound recording, all of that. So a lot of it at the very beginning was more procedural and business oriented. Before then, I got into the nitty gritty of you know where are these women? How can we get to them? How can we convince them to tell our stories. So it was kind of two things going on at the same time, the procedural, practical business part of it and the creative discovery part of it. And you mentioned editors and funders and all those people. But as far as your role, you were the writer, director and producer. What was it like wearing those hats and really encompassing three different roles within this film? Well, it's what I've always done. I mean, I've I've been an independent filmmaker for 40 some years and uh, taught at San Francisco State in the cinema department where the real filmmaking model is the independent filmmaker, you know, not the Hollywood traditional crew. So it's something I've done forever and switching from one role to another is, I don't even conceive of myself as switching roles. I'm just doing the next thing that has to be done. I know a lot of people can relate to that. There's just so many people are like, oh, okay, we got to do this, that, and that. I'll do it. (laughs) You just get so self-sufficient because you just want to get it done. So it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I do have to give a big shout out to San Francisco State, not only the cinema department, but the documentary institute there, the uh, Veterans Documentary Corps, because once I was able to get myself uh, and the film, get them interested in the film, one of the things that really made it possible was that I was able to work a lot with students. We used student crews for all the shooting, for all the editing, for a lot of the other work, and just the fact that there's such a wealth of talent, even though it may not be the most experienced talent, it's the eager, wonderful, creative talent that you find with very young people who are just learning to do their craft. Because you can teach the craft. You've got to have the enthusiasm and the passion, you know, to make it really work. So big shout out to San Francisco State Cinema Department, College of Liberal and Creative Arts, and Documentary Film Institute and Veterans Documentary Corps. That's super fascinating that you're able to use students to help create this film because that enthusiasm is like no other. Yeah, yeah. And then I want to talk a little bit about Mars One. As we mentioned before, a lot of the women from Mars One and the creator of it are featured in this film. And you were also selected. There was only 1,058 people selected from 202,000 people for two years of rigorous testing to determine who will colonize Mars in 2025. What was that like? Because that's incredible. Well, it was incredible on on one hand, and on the other hand, it just seemed like, you know, it was the next thing for me to, to do or to try to do. And you know, by the way, I, Mars 1 is not going to happen. I mean, 99% not going to happen now because they didn't find the funding. They've declared bankruptcy. They're holding out hope that they'll find another investor, but I don't think Mars 1 is going to be uh, the organization that gets us to Mars. But what I really appreciate about them Uh, several things. They were the first to get out there and say, we're taking humans to Mars. And even more important to me was we have a commitment to diversity. Unlike anybody else that's talking about Mars, SpaceX, Elon Musk, NASA, the commitment from Mars One is we will send two men and two women, and they will be from at least there's three different continents, you know, so they were looking for ethnic diversity, gender diversity, age diversity, and I really, really appreciated that about the Mars One mission. I was thrilled that I made it. 
past the first step into round two. I began to see then, you know, that, that it probably wasn't the right thing for me and that I, was, I wasn't the right thing for them. So I stepped away from it. But at the same time, I had made some very good friends within the Mars One group and continued to uh, talk to them. And one of the women in the film, Kenya Armbrister, is still in the running. She's one of the 100. You know, she could be, be the first woman on Mars. There's still that possibility. I don't think it's a probability at this point, but it's definitely a possibility. I love that she's still in it. And even though it may not work out for them, I think it's such a good place to start. Sometimes we just need a beginning. So for them to start it and and get things rolling and to include diversity, because like you said, none of these other space programs want to include diversity. We just had the article come out from The Guardian on Monday about how they're having issues with spacesuits and just like, come on, guys, like, let's get this together. That's really interesting because one of the women I interviewed, um, she's not in the film. She's going to be in a short. I'm making a bunch of shorts to go with the film. Laura Kearney at Johnson Space Center was instrumental in making sure we had spacesuits for women back in the early days of spacesuit design. She was a design of, she was an engineer slash designer and she noticed that there weren't any spacesuits small enough to fit most women. It was one of her passions to make sure that spacesuits that NASA produced would fit the whole range of humans, not, not just the, the larger people, mostly men. So that's interesting. I thought that story was really interesting about the women can't go on the spacewalk because they don't have the spacesuits because we thought, you know, we solved this problem, at least with NASA. And now it looks like we haven't. Ridiculous, but definitely shout out to her because that's a very beautiful thing and we appreciate it. And then when it comes down to the four years that it took you to make this film, what were the greatest things that you've learned either professionally or personally within making this film? I think I've learned that it is a much bigger story than the one I set out to tell. Mm. In that when I set out to make the film, I had identified, you know, kind of a limited list of women and some men that also that I wanted to talk to and some locations where I wanted to shoot. Along the way, I have really been introduced to a global community, especially of women. We, we met each other at the United Nations. The first time I showed the film, I was invited to show it as a special preview screening at, uh, last summer at the United Nations in Vienna, Austria, as part of their Unispace Plus 50 celebration event, and met incredible women from everywhere on Earth. And we organized ourselves. We have an organization called Space for Women, and we're working globally to support STEM education, opportunities for women in the space arena, empowering women, recruiting women, training women. So it's a huge story that I didn't realize I could actually have a part in making things happen until I met all these other women and working together, you know, we do have ways to make things happen. We did a big event last October during World Space Week at Chabot Space and Science Center over in Oakland. Great place. So we shot some scenes from the film there. And we were able to get some women together, engineers and astronauts, so young from Korea, a female scientist from NASA Ames, you know, and just put a panel together and we had a huge crowd and just to show people that these are women, they have stories they're working in the space business you know so it's just there's no end to the stories that can be told and i have just realized you know i have a small but viable part of all of that 
definitely. I love that so much. Just being able to take the film, meet people and expand it to meet more people and create space for women and really let it carry on in a way that is just so beneficial to younger girls to learn about STEM and even older women who have wanted to see women in space and women on Mars their whole life. So I think it just really benefits everybody and it's so beautiful. Yeah. As far as the screenings, the Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival this weekend, Saturday, March 30th at 1245 at Rialto Cinemas number six. And again on Saturday at 4 p.m. at Rialto Cinemas number nine. And then on Sunday, March 31st, 1 p.m. at Robert Brent's Auditorium. Do not miss Madame Mars. Let's extend that schedule a little bit because as soon as I screen in Sebastopol Sunday afternoon, I'm jumping on a plane to Palm Springs because Madame Mars is going to be in the American Documentary Film Festival Palm Springs and it'll be shown Monday, April 1st. So uh, I'll be there for that screening. And then for people in Northern California, I can tell you that the film is also going to be in the Docklands Festival put on by the California Film Institute in Marin County in early May. So I have a couple more screenings set up and uh, it just premiered on television, by the way. It was on KQED last week. So I'm really thrilled that it's out there and getting good reception and that it's furthering the story that that we all need to keep telling and also if you want to keep up with the film it's madame mars film on twitter instagram and facebook that's m-a-d-a-m-e-m-a-r-s film that's twitter instagram and facebook there's also a youtube channel and you do a fantastic newsletter i really want people to subscribe to the newsletter because you really put your heart and soul into that so thank you for that i love the newsletter it's actually my favorite thing to do because i can just go far and wide and and find people and interview people a woman that wrote a novel a science fiction novel about mars women that are studying radiation in space and the fact that female mice do not get this affected by radiation the same way that male mice do i just interviewed a woman who designed a, um, a salad spinner for the International Space Station so we can go greens in space and greens on Mars. So I'm all over the place with the newsletter. I just love to get out there and find people and catch up with people. And again, it's a way to tell stories, little mini stories, you know, that help advance the cause of women in a more general, all over the place kind of way. Exactly. I love it so much. And of course, the website too, MadamMarsFilm.com. There's a place on the website where you can send me a, a note to if you want to subscribe to the newsletter. I'll put anybody on the list. There we go. Yay. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. This was great. And as always, thank you so much for checking out this episode. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on and come out to the Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival this weekend. Come see Madame Mars with me. That screening info and all the other screenings and information about Madame Mars is in the show description. So check it out and then reach out to me. Just say hi hi or tell me what your favorite part of this episode was i'm on twitter at special says and on instagram it's at special says as well